I'm a local loan officer in West Palm Beach, Florida. I've been in the mortgage industry for the last eight years. I've worked in the industry throughout the country. I've closed over a thousand loans during my career, so I've seen it all. I'm on a mission to make mortgages both entertaining and educational. Welcome to Lending with Leah. This is the podcast for anyone thinking of potentially owning in the process of buying or even owns their own home. We went with a scary sound today instead of a magical sound because we are going to talk about some fears again. And this episode in particular, we are going to talk about housing affordability fears. I think this has become a big topic of concern, especially over the last three years. Prior to COVID, not really a thing. During COVID and especially after, it's a thing. It's a very real thing. And I can say personally from speaking with clients, there's a lot of people out there that are really worried about being able to afford where they're living, their shelter costs, whether that's you're buying a home or you're renting a home. Both of these things have gone up pretty dramatically and very quickly. So it makes sense that people are feeling those fears. You know, where do I live? How can I afford this? Can I stay where I've been living for years or do I have to move away? All these questions running through people's heads. So today I kind of wanted to break down some different statistics for you guys, why this is a fear that so many of us are feeling, but then I'm going to give you guys five different tips or solutions, ideas on how to combat this fear and how to maybe make your housing situation a little bit more affordable. Let's start with some stats first. The median sales price for homes in the U.S., talking the whole country here, in quarter four of 2019, it was 327,100. Quarter four of 2022, so three years later, that median sales price is now 467,700. Back up just a little bit here because I want to make sure we're going to be doing lots of numbers, stats, example breakdowns. So I really want to break this down into baby food for you guys. That way you really walk away understanding the scope of everything. For anyone that doesn't know what a median sales price is, we're not talking an average, but a median. This means half the homes in the United States sold below this amount and half the homes sold above this amount. So it's not an average, it's just half below, half above. This data, just so everyone knows too, I pulled this from FRED, Economic Data, or the St. Louis Fed. So if anyone wanted to go check to see where I got these stats from, that's where I pulled them from. What does this equate to though? So again, quarter four, 2019, median sales price, 327,100, quarter four, 2022, 467,700. This is a 43% increase in home prices in a three-year span. 
that's a big jump. That's a really big jump. It makes sense why we're feeling some fear in being able to afford our homes. It's a big jump really quickly. And I will tell you, I, I'm in this market or this, this business, right? I've been a loan officer for almost a decade now. I see it. I get to see the changes in the industry immediately, rapidly. However, for you guys, for the majority of the population out there, you don't feel those changes as suddenly as someone working in the industry does. There's a little bit of a lag time. In fact, I would venture to say quite a bit of a lag time between when the population catches up to what's actually going on in the market. So three-year span is really not that long, and everyone's starting to catch up now. Like, ooh, this just got really expensive really fast. Couple that with we were in the middle of COVID, so a lot of people were kind of on pause. Our health took a big uh, part of our attention span. So now that we're coming out of COVID, people are getting back into the swing of things and maybe like, okay, let's, let's get a house. And it's like, bam, there it is. Big price tag. On top of that, we have also seen property taxes jump up quite a bit and... This one, maybe not in all places in the world, but I'm going to talk specifically for Florida here for a second. Our homeowners insurance rates have astronomically skyrocketed. This is an expense in home ownership, your property taxes and your homeowners insurance. It's a, it's a problem. It's really expensive, especially too in Florida of course, all over the state, it's very expensive for your homeowner's insurance. But in particular, if you are purchasing a home in Palm Beach, Broward, or Miami-Dade County, it's, it's hella expensive. Like, I'm not going to sugarcoat that. It's expensive. We're the most expensive counties in the country for homeowner's insurance. Believe it, not really because of hurricanes, but because of insurance fraud. Couple all these things together with the higher home prices and now higher interest rates. Our prices for homes, the monthly payment, what you are experiencing every day in your day-to-day life is expensive and it makes sense. I understand why this is a fear for people. It's a lot pricier than it was just a couple years ago. We're not talking... Oh, you know, back in the day, back in the 70s and 80s. No, we're talking like back in the day, like three years ago, back in the day. That's, it, it's, a, it's a shock to the system. On top of that, so we just talked about buying a home, but what about renting? Renting's not a picnic either. Pulled this data from the same place. So again, Fred Economic Data, St. Louis Fed. January 2020, right before everything hit in COVID, to January 2023, rents have increased 15% in just the last three years. It's not quite as big of a jump 
as purchasing a home. But there's a couple pieces to this that we have to consider as well. When you are renting, you are locked into a lease. That lease, typically 12 months, sometimes longer though. I've seen plenty of leases that are two years, maybe three years. So you got to remember too, there's a little bit of a lag here. So as rental prices jumped up or started to jump up, they can only jump up when your lease is over, when your contract's done. So if you're one of the lucky people that got locked into a low rent, but your lease is coming to an end, you may see a jump. So I do think that's why, or one of the things why rent, why the increase isn't as high as home purchases is because of those lease agreements. There is a little bit of a lag time there before a new lease is put into place. I will tell you, I have spoken to many people. It's so common now. I get a phone call. My landlord just upped my rent $500 to $1,000 a month. Yes, I have talked to people whose landlords jump their rent $1,000 a month. And they're going, I don't know where to go. But now, because everything's so expensive, they can't afford rent in the area because all the new rents are now at the higher prices. They can't afford to buy a home in the area. What do you do? This, this is a big question a lot of people are facing right now. Do you move away to a, a less expensive area? But what about your job? What if you have family? What if you miss a, a rental payment or a mortgage payment? I mean, these are really serious fears and life circumstances that people are facing. And they're facing it regardless if they're buying a home or if they're renting. Because right now in this market, both are up and both are up high. On top of that, when it comes to rent specifically, yeah, when your lease is up, your landlord could up your lease. What if your landlord decides to sell the home? I had a good friend she got a rental, beautiful rental. She was there maybe a month, and then the landlord calls and says, oh, by the way, I'm selling. You got to leave. What? So now your home can just be uprooted like that, and now you're thrown into this environment uh, of high housing expense. What do you do? Another piece of information and stats that I'm going to break down for you because not only, right, not, not only is buying a home expensive, not only is renting expensive, but everything else in life is more expensive right now. I, I think everyone out here probably knows about the inflation in the U.S., But let me like kind of put this into perspective for you guys on how bad the inflation really is. Like really how bad it is. Inflation has not been as high as it is today since the late 70s, early 80s. Eek. Eek. Scary. 
that I mean, that's we're talking what I think it's like a 40 year high or something like that. Like it's been a long time since our country has seen inflation like this. What does that mean? That means that a large part of our population, one, has never experienced inflation like this. I know I haven't. I'm a 90s baby. <laughs> so this is brand, this it is all new to me. I have never experienced anything like this before in my life because the last time inflation was this high, I wasn't even a twinkle in my parents' eyes. Also, what else does this mean? This means people aged from about 42 to 60 were only just kids when inflation was this high. And we all know when you're a kid, yes, you're experiencing things, but you, you're sheltered from things a little bit. You're not experiencing life the way you experience life as an adult when everything is fully reliant on you and it's on your shoulders you know, when you're a kid, it's on your parents' shoulders or your guardian or whoever's taking care of you. So this means that pretty much only currently people aged 60 or older are the only people that have gone through this experience sometime in their life. That means a lot of our population here, we're like newbies. <laughs> oh, <laughs> don't know what to do here. And inflation being this high means everything's high. Our groceries are more expensive. Our gas is more expensive. Our everyday goods we need to live are more expensive. So not only is your shelter and where you're living and housing more expensive, so is everything else. It's scary. It makes sense. And I know I keep saying that, but I want, I want you guys to know that I get it. I get why it's scary. Now, now that we've kind of discussed what's going on, you know, we're painting a solid picture here. Let's go over some ways to combat this fear and maybe help this affordability a little bit. So I'm going to give you guys five different tips or solutions or ideas on things you could do to help. Help put you guys, put yourself in a better situation. But before we do that, really how do we combat the fear? One, you guys, you gotta take ownership of your own home owning, home buying experience. You have to. There are too many people out there that want to take advantage of you and can very easily take advantage of you. It's a challenging market. There's a lot to learn. There's a lot to understand. And there's people that make a lot of money doing your loan. And when you couple those things together, it can get easy to get taken advantage of. Don't let that happen to you. Do the research. Take the ownership. This is your loan. This is your home that you are purchasing. Own it. It's yours. That's one. And two, we gotta be, we gotta be creative. So 
So now with that creative, now I'm going to give you guys the five tips. So I kind of backtracked a little bit there. Okay. Tip one, before you jump onto, you know, that online home shopping site that everyone loves, Rems with Pillow, before you jump on there or any of the other ones and you start looking at homes and you go, I can afford that 450 home because, you know, Pillow says I can. I did their little mortgage calculator. They say I can afford it. I'm, I'm going to look at all these homes or I might call my real estate agent. I want you to start sending me homes that look like this in this price range. But you haven't gone and gotten a pre-approval yet. Don't do it. Don't set yourself up for, I, I don't want to say set yourself up for dis, well, disappointment. That's the word I'll use. Don't set yourself up for disappointment. If you can only afford the $350,000 home, but you're looking at the four fifty, dollars you think you're going to want the three fifty dollars home? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. You're not going to want it. So tip one, start backwards before you look at any homes at all online or through your agent, contact your loan officer, get pre-approved. Don't just do that though. What payment do you want per month? Cause that's what you feel that, that, that is the pain you feel every single month when you take that money out and you hand it on over. How much money do you want to hand over every month? What are you comfortable with? Is it 2,000, three, four? Figure out that number. How much do you want and can afford to pay each month? Let's say, let's say it's 2,500. Okay, I'm comfortable with 2,500. Then your loan officer should work backwards. Let's build your pre-approval based on the payment you want to be at. How do we do that? Say, like we, we get your application, we get all your information. We're going to check to see one. Do you qualify first with that payment? You want to spend $2,500 a month? Do you qualify with it? If yes, great. Now, if you qualify for more, I'll show you that too. But I want to show you what price point home you need to be looking within to stay at that $2,500 a month. Because you might be able to afford the $3,000 payment on paper, but you really might not want to. You might be really house poor at $3,000 a month, but $2,500 a month is going to give you a lot more flexibility, a lot more spending money. So that's where you want to be. Figure out what that payment is. Figure out what price point home is realistic. Don't use the online calculators. Get a real estimate. What's realistic? Then start looking at homes. Set your search up for that price range, whether you're looking online or your agent's looking. Because trust me, you won't be as disappointed doing it that way than if you go see a more expensive home and then you see the less expensive. Of course we want the turnkey home. Of course we do. And especially if you go see those homes, don't do that to yourself. Don't set yourself up for disappointment. 
Just get yourself set up correctly right from the get-go. That's tip one. Tip two, consider an FHA loan over a conventional loan. Why? It seems kind of counterproductive to where the market was at not too long ago. Yeah. When we were in the height of the bidding wars and this and that, and sellers were only accepting conventional loans, fine. We're not there anymore. So why? Why consider FHA over conventional, especially if you can get approved for a conventional loan? It's because conventional loans, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, who are the overseers of conventional loans, have made it more expensive for the majority of people to get a conventional loan. Those are called LLPAs. What is that? A loan level price adjustment. Great, Leo, what's that? A loan level price adjustment is a fancy way of saying the money you, as the buyer, have to spend on an interest rate to get a mortgage. That affects you directly. The lovely government has made it more expensive for you to get a mortgage because they want a piece of the pie. And that's something we could go and just talk and talk and talk on. But FHA has actually reduced their mortgage insurance rate. Oh, and FHA is not increasing their loan level price adjustments like conventional is. So it might actually potentially save you more money to go with an FHA loan over a conventional. This is where you really got to take this into your own hands. Do your research. Ask your loan officer to send you both options if you qualify for both. Compare and contrast. Numbers don't lie. Figure out which one is going to save you more money each month. Or maybe save you in your down payment too. You never know. Ask for the comparison. Tip three. We all want turnkey. But guess what? Turnkey homes come with a nice golden price tag. They do. If you are trying to keep your housing affordability in check, maybe don't go for the turnkey. Maybe go for a fixer-upper home and consider a renovation loan. Oh! <laughs> Renovation loans, they have them under all the categories, conventional, Fannie, Freddie have their own, FHA has renovation loans, and VA has renovation loans as well. What a great option to find a less expensive home. You can finance the cost of your renovation into your mortgage, one mortgage. You get to make the home how you want it. Put your touch on it. Is it a little more work? Yeah, you can't just move right into it. But guess what? We're getting creative here. We're trying to find ways to make your housing more affordable. And if you're not paying the luxury price tag of a turnkey home, and you can do a little fixer up yourself, and you can finance the cost of the renovation into your mortgage, oh my gosh, why not do it? Why not? I ran numbers for someone the other day. 
She wants to be at a $2,000 a month payment. Trying to find a home in Florida that can keep her at a $2,000 a month payment and it's a nice home, forget it. Forget it is pretty much out of the question. But we found a little fixer-upper home for real cheap. And then when you put in the cost of the re- uh, renovation, the monthly payment was only going to be like 1700 a month. Got to wait a little longer to move in, but you get the payment you want. And you get to put your own little stamp and turn on the renovations. I don't know. Doesn't sound like a bad idea to me. And again, get creative. Ask your loan officer. Take this into your own hands. Tip four, consider purchasing a multifamily home as your primary residence. Why? Because multifamily homes, you actually get to use rental income from the units you are not living in to help offset the debt. So not only are you going to, one, qualify for a higher purchase price, two, you have someone else chipping in to help pay the mortgage. Huh. Think about that. Also, FHA, it's three and a half percent down. Three and a half. Where else, where else can you purchase a duplex, a quad, or a triplex for three and a half percent down. You can't do that conventional. Not at all. Conventional, even if it's your primary home, a duplex, 15% down, and a tri or quad, 25. Not FHA though. And remember what I said earlier FHA loans getting cheaper, conventional getting more expensive. Consider it. Really, and for it to be your primary home, you have to occupy within 60 days of closing and you have to live there for at least a year. After that, you could decide to move someplace else, put a new tenant in there, and now you've got two, three, four units that are income producing for you. Now it's a full-fledged rental property. Not a bad idea. And it's going to help with your housing affordability as well. Tip five. And we're going to take tip five slow because there's going to be lots of numbers and I'm going to like break everything down into baby food for you guys because it's probably going to feel a little counterproductive. Okay. Tip five. If you are putting down a larger down payment, so Unfortunately, this is probably not going to apply to people putting down a minimum. But if you have a little more money to work with, you're putting a large down payment, consider making a smaller down payment on your mortgage and paying off some debt instead. Oh, that doesn't make sense. I think most people would want to do a larger down payment on their mortgage so they have a smaller mortgage payment. Yeah, but what if paying off debt gets you more bang for your buck? Let's break it down. Okay. We're going to assume a $400,000 purchase price. All right. We're all on board there. Now, twenty. you're putting 20% down. That's a loan amount of $320,000 or 
That's $80,000 you're putting down. 80 Gs. We all got that. If we're assuming a 6.5% interest rate, your principal and interest payment is $2,023 a month. Okay. Keep that in mind. We're going to come back to that. $2,023 a month. Let's say instead we want to do 15% down instead of 20. Same purchase price, $400,000 purchase price, but now your loan amount's 340,000 instead of 320 and you're only putting 60,000 down. Now your principal and interest is going to be 2,149, a little bit more. We do also have to make sure we're taking into account at 20% down, you don't have mortgage insurance on a conventional loan. But at 15% down, you do. So be about $45 a month for mortgage insurance because at 15% down, it is a reduced mortgage insurance rate. Now let's also say you have a car loan, an auto loan. And that remaining balance is $20,000 a month. Oof, wow, that would be really expensive. $20,000 remaining balance, not $20,000 a month. $20,000 remaining balance. But the monthly payment on your auto loan is $600 a month. Hmm, I think you guys might know where I'm going with this now. Okay. So we're putting 60,000 down on our mortgage by doing 15% instead of 20. We have an extra 20,000 because remember we had 80 to work with before because we were originally going to do 20% down. We take that other 20 and we're going to pay off the car. Same out of pocket, $80,000 straight across the board. Your mortgage payment to do 15% down instead of 20 because remember, higher principal and interest, and now we have mortgage insurance. It's $171 more per month to do this option for your mortgage. But you paid off a $600 per month car. So guess what? You actually are saving $429 per month in your overall debt load. Oh, get a little more bang for your buck with paying off debt. Consider that. You guys, when you are getting a mortgage, a mortgage is a tool. It's a tool. And you really, and it's, it's part of your finances, your debt, it's a tool. You got to look at your whole picture. What debt do you have? What's the mortgage looking like? you might be able to, like this scenario, lower your overall debt load and save money than if you put it all in the mortgage. And again, this is where, take this into your own hands. Do your own research or pick a loan officer that you trust that knows this, that is gonna go over it with you, that's gonna give you all the options. You know, it, it's yours. Take the ownership of it. But there you have it. There's plenty more tips out there. 
but we gave a nice breakdown of five good tips that can help with housing affordability, maybe help lessen some of those fears or give you the courage to stand up and, and go get it and just make a way. If there's not a way now, make one. My name's Leah. This is Lending with Leah. Thank you guys for listening in. As always, you can find me on all the social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, all under Lending with Leah. I have an email too, lendingwithleah at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you guys. What do you like about the show? What topics are you interested in? Give feedback. This show is for you guys. I want to give you a peek behind the curtain as to what goes on in the mortgage industry and how can you use this information for your benefit. That's what I'm here for. Let me know what you want to hear, and I'll see you guys again in a couple weeks for the next episode.